This is Comatose, a collection of stories, anecdotes, observations, and other important things that may be moving through us when the light's red and the mic's hot. Want to listen to more episodes? You'll find them at comapod.com. Right now, you are listening to episode number 154. It's time to address the elephant in the cubicle, the pebble in the shoe. Comatose has been on hiatus, but we are now returned. A collective summer of travels, weddings, and laziness swept us up, and truthfully, we became bad custodians of the show. And between you and me, I have my yearly subscription of laziness on autopay. While it's not easy to admit, the ball should never have been dropped. We start today with a few words from Comatose senior producer John Bauer. John's the wrangler of this circus, but even a maestro can't conduct without an orchestra. And so... While we get back on this horse, you'll now hear John's side of things and how he took the gears grinding to a halt. Here is John with sabbatical. And then I knew the time had come. It wasn't always the case, but sometimes you just know that it doesn't feel right. That one thing could have been more than is lost and the magic spark that once inspired creativity is lost. That's what happened over the last month and a half. I burnt out. Or more accurately, I got tired of doing more than two-thirds of work that netted me nothing in return. That sounds selfish because it is. But it really wears you down as the years pass by. This wild ride started as a project of expression with the greatest of intentions. Music beds lull you into a sleep as ideas pass you by quicker than the next rest area. It's that traveling on the highway feeling that loses interest with each passing minute. Mile markers telling time as the months crawl by. New episodes every week. But who's even listening? It felt like even I didn't listen anymore. The expression that I once loved lost to the desperation of time. Unwilling to change and love-locked. And I'll change the pace to clarify a thing or two. I don't write these things to be vague or strange. I write them to get my inner thoughts out. This is my real voice, and if that sounds crazy, welcome to my head. Another week gone by and I realized I had the power to do... nothing. It was magical, and lifted so much weight off my heavy shoulders. I cannot emphasize enough how great that first week of giving up felt. And no one cared. No one. Cared. Not one person. No one has said anything to me about the missing episodes or the lost pieces on the Coffee Licious. Why should I try so hard if it doesn't matter to anyone? If even I don't care anymore, what's the point? The show was a full-time job that didn't earn me a cent in time when, more than anything, I needed money. All that effort towards a lost cause seems beyond pointless. It is beyond pointless. It's foolhardy and a waste of time and energy. I could be working on something more, something better, something that helps me in real life. Unfortunately, I don't like to give up. So I have no choice but to try and continue to strive for more in whatever capacity I can. 
that will be the future of Comatose. I hope to make it something more than a spin of good luck. From the archives of Reddit, scribed by he himself, Simon the Cannibal, comes the tale of a swordsman, a master swordsman at that, a tale that will reward the listener with only, dare I say, the sweetest of endings. The term here, sweetest, is all relative. But without ado, Simon the Cannibal with The Squire. I was sweating so much, just shifting my weight produced an audible squish as the soaked padding squeezed between iron and flesh. It was at this point I realized I just wanted him to kill me. Him, of course, referring to Sir Kim, a master swordsman from the Orient. He had come to our little section of the world to challenge the best fighters we had to offer. A threefold pursuit of knowledge, fame, and wealth had thus far earned him a reputation in hundreds of taverns, scores of courts, and dozens of languages. He was undefeated and, I suspected, would remain so after this particular fight. I looked through the slit in my visor, trying to ascertain exactly where the door was located in a specially constructed hut. Sir Kim had ordered the construction to conceal our fight in order to keep his style secret, but I suspected it served a second purpose, keep me blind and sweating. It was doing just that. Finally, after much too long, I heard the latch on the door and adjusted my gaze appropriately. This was not a smart move. I was immediately blinded by sunlight. Sir Kim strolled in. I almost forgot to take up a defensive stance as he took up position against me. I was too busy watching the man. His garb contrasted mine. Where I was covered in plate, he was merely draped in black cloth. His sword was odd too. Where mine was a giant beast of iron, his was a stick that lacked even a crossbar. He approached cautiously, feeling fully each step he took to ensure his footing was secure. My guard finally up, I continued to watch. He bowed. I nodded. We both waited for the other to take the first move, each sizing the other up. While I was well aware Sir Kim had never lost, he seemed hesitant to add me to his kill streak. It was as if he knew I was a pretender. A dozen curses raced from my brain at that thought. I cursed my path here. I cursed my liege whose boast bound him to this fight. I cursed his cowardice, which ended with me here wearing his armor. I cursed my honor. I cursed my family's honor. I cursed my oath as a squire. I cursed everything I had ever encountered in my life down to the younger boys who would have had to fight in my place if I had taken a more cowardly tack. It wasn't their fault, but fuck them all the same for getting to live another day. With the thought of my liege's beatings and all the blood I'd washed from the boys' backs, I tensed. I figured it was time to get this whole farce over with. Sir Kim kept his guard steady as I lunged toward him, blade striking toward his center. I figured my only chance was to use my strength to push through whatever counter he had and strike him. I was well protected from any answering swordplay. I was immediately surprised by his action, however, when he dropped his guard, stepped to the side, and grabbed my elbow with his now free hand. I was at once lifted off the ground, then deposited on my back, my momentum and the weight of my armor working against me. I'd expected a counter. I'd expected a great clang as his sword beat against my armor, as with so many sparring partners. I certainly hadn't expected him to merely take a step to the side. The breath knocked out of me. I looked up through the slit in my visor. Had I another second to react, I might have been able to knock his sword away. As it was, I heard the scrape and felt the fire of metal entering my eye. 
In the split second of life I had left, I had one final thought. After all this, after all the effort I had put into bettering my life, none of it mattered. In the end, I was just another victim of Sir Kim's stance. There is no way to reposition recent events in the United States and it not seem like a Twilight Zone episode. A very convincing episode at that. Last up today, Molly Bauer, pouring herself into a paper bag blown up with air and held up high, threatening to explode. It ain't an empty threat, folks. They're the words of a woman on the brink. And now, Molly with August 13th. Today is August 13th, 2017. Yesterday, Nazis marched through American streets. The year is 2017. My white privilege has put a rosy glow over my life. I don't even know if it's my place to say this, but yesterday the past became present and it cannot be dismissed. The torches, those words, that car, tell me again how we've come so far. What is this place? Who are these people? How can they feel this misplaced pride? Who the fuck is our president? Placing blame on many sides? There are no sides when it comes to equality. Jewish, Christian, Muslim, male, female, gay, straight, black, white, these are all equal. That is an American right. This is not complicated. It's not hard to understand. There is no gray area. As Americans, we are obligated to take a stand. This is wrong. Let me be clear. The next day comes and I get to wake up with no fear. It's not fair, but it's the truth and I'm calling it out. I sit in my living room watching the news and I feel angry and sad, but there is no doubt that I can walk out my front door with no hesitation. I won't be questioned, no one will wonder, because I'm Caucasian. That's the problem with this country. It's so ingrained in our ways and white people are so unaware, even if we shout the right phrase. The year is 2017. Yesterday, Nazis marched through American streets. The year is 2017. What I'm saying here, it's not going to make a difference. Like I said, it's not my place, but I'm upset and I want to express that I acknowledge the significance. I'm here and I'm speaking to clearly define my opposition. I will not be neutral. No one should be. And that's not a decision. It's a fact. It's a right. It's a requirement for all Americans. Keep standing. Keep opposing. Keep fighting for what's right. Because this is history in the making, and we got to keep pointing, keep shouting, and keep shedding light. The year is 2017. Yesterday, Nazis marched through American streets. The year is 2017. And that, folks, was episode number 154. To find more episodes, you can always search for Comatose Podcast on Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you capture your podcasts, or just visit our website, comapod.com. That's C-O-M-A-P-O-D dot com. You can find us also on Twitter, at Comatose Podcast. Folks, thank you once again for listening. This is Comatose, and we will be back soon. <laughs>